to the E5 podcast. I am Rob Leroux, and I'm joined by our discipleship pastor, Pastor Robbie Willis. Hey, y'all. How goes it? And I am joined by the most beautiful guest that we've had on the podcast uh, so far, my lovely bride, Miss Lydia Leroux. Hey, everybody. And uh, we're excited to be back today. Uh, took a took a little bit of time off as we got through VBS and and some various things. Pastor Robbie had a uh, increased workload with his with his his uh, doctoral program, so we just took a couple couple weeks off and ready to get back into things as we are getting ready to kind of close the book, so to speak, on our on our talks about uh, life in 4D uh, in in Link Church in 4D. And uh, going to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics today. And uh, I know Pastor Robbie loves it as well. And I know that, that Lydia does as well. Um, and that is the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it is one of my favorite things to talk about because, Robbie, as, as you and I will have talked many, many times. First of all, if, if you're listening and you do not know... Uh, He's not asked me to do this and would probably throw something at me if he knew I was going to do it. But uh, Robbie did write a wonderful book on the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit titled The Reality of Pentecost. Um, If you can get your hands on a copy of that, I suggest you do it because it is a phenomenal book. And I don't say that just because I'm sitting in the room with the man. Uh, But... (laughs) So, um, in all seriousness, though... uh, this is a topic, Robbie, that you have written a book on, obviously. So it's something that you've studied extensively. It is a topic that you and I have talked about that that when I was a teenager and seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just something that there were so many misconceptions and misunderstandings about that. Uh, I couldn't get out of my own head to really see and understand what, what Pentecost is about and what the reality of Pentecost is and, and the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that I know that we're going to talk about today. And so I'll kick this over to you, and we can go from a jumping-off point um, as we look at what it says in, in the uh, Link Church in 4D book, as well as uh, any other talking points that you want to bring up with this. Sure. So uh, thanks for the plug. That book is available on Amazon if anybody's looking for it. I believe that, although most people know me as Robbie, I think that is listed under Robert Willis. Um you know, that that was written really just from a pastoral perspective. It was the second book that I ever wrote back in 2011, I believe. And, and what I found is this, is that even people that attend Spirit-filled churches often don't have a lot of understanding about what we actually believe regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For instance, a real common misconception, not only among non-Pentecostals, but among some Pentecostals, is people think that, you know, that we believe you don't receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you get saved. Nothing can actually be further from the truth. Than right, that. right. Um, we do absolutely believe the Holy Spirit is the active agent in salvation, that when you are born again, that the Spirit of God 
comes alive inside of you. However, we also teach that there is a second or a subsequent experience that is available to all believers called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's an empowerment for uh, for ministry. Um, now, if you are listening and you are part of Link Church, if nobody's told you this yet, it's probably about time that you know that we are a Pentecostal church. Yeah, surprise. Yeah. You may have noticed that when you saw people, you know, jumping and speaking in tongues around you. If not, we are. We give no indication. Right, right. <laughs> there's, there's no heads up whatsoever. No heads up I mean. at all. So here's the thing is that uh, Pentecostals are not exactly a fringe movement these days. While in the early 1900s, you, if you were around, you might not have heard initially a whole lot of people that spoke in tongues. Today, uh, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia, there are 644 million Pentecostals and Charismatics worldwide. Um, our churches are among the fastest growing in the world. In fact, uh, in Latin America, um, the, the, the Pentecostal church is out is is outpacing the the rate of population growth by like three times there wow. uh, they are a rapidly aggressively uh growing movement but for us this podcast is not just about what it means to be baptized with the holy spirit though we definitely want to emphasize and, and share some understanding about that but but we want to look at this is in the deploy section right. uh, of our of our discipleship process and we want to look at why the baptism of the Holy Spirit matters as you are launched into ministry as you step into an area of service and you say hey I want to uh, I want to help my, my local church out whether you're part of this local church or another we want to really emphasize and, and help everyone that's listening understand why the baptism of the Holy Spirit matters for that right absolutely and, and thank you for clarifying that Pastor Robbie because I I forgot to in my in my introduction. And, you know, I think that that is such a very important uh, and necessary topic of conversation, you know, especially if we are talking about uh, being deployed for ministry. You know, I've had several people who are part of different denominations who don't necessarily believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They may believe that that has ceased or stopped uh, for our time. It was for the, the apostles and for the early church, but not for us. And um, they don't particularly see the purpose or, or what is so important about it. And, and I believe it's because of some of those misunderstandings that, that you were talking about, you know, and that I grew up with about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know that when I was a kid, I was seven years old and I got saved and I grew up in an Assembly of God church and I began to hear that I should tarry or or wait for or seek the baptism of the holy spirit but literally all i knew about it was uh speaking in tongues right and so in my mind is i want to speak in tongues the way the big people do and so for the next seven years uh i was seeking the baptism of the holy spirit and i think a lot of that is because i just didn't fully understand the purpose mm -hmm. i didn't know why i was going after it and that's why I think that this is so necessary and so needed today. Lydia, I know that when you and I first got married, uh, there were a lot of things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that even you as a PK growing up in a Pentecostal church didn't fully understand uh, as well. I had a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Um, I was filled with the Holy Ghost at 12 and called in the ministry. Um during the same week, it was a youth revival. But 
I honestly was never taught that you didn't have to stir it up. And so I had the misconception of I had to be in service or had to be in the right atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move or for me to even use my prayer language. And so it was probably, I think I was 23 or 24 when I finally learned this was my personal prayer language, but at the same time, I didn't have to stir it up. I could communicate with God in my prayer language whenever I wanted to. Um, But I think, honestly, we kind of misread the scripture sometimes when we talk about it because in Acts 1-8, he says what it's for. Right. Jesus explained, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, honestly, when we look at being deployed, we need the Holy Spirit because you can't be a witness without it, according to Jesus um, himself. So you got to look at it, I guess, that way and say, hey, to be a true witness, to be... um, Everything that you are meant to be as a witness, you have the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. You know, um, when you when you read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, which is of course the first time that we that we witness this phenomenon happening, uh, Peter says something that I think is pretty phenomenal uh, in the New International Version in Acts two twenty two. He says, "Fellow Israelites, listen to this: Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you." by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, that is part of his overall explanation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is there. It's interesting that he uses the word accredited. Jesus was accredited among you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Now, I've been, uh, you know, in education half my life, it seems like. And so, just for fun, I have looked up however many degree programs uh, looking to see if they were accredited or not. You know right. what you will find on the page of every, at least nearly every non-accredited theological institution? You will find a, a paragraph full of excuses trying to explain away why they do not need accreditation. Usually it will say some, well, we're not overseen by the state. We're not all these things. But here's the reality. If you're not accredited, you can't get uh, the funding that you need. Right. You, the, the degree is not recognized in a lot of places. They know that there's a certain level of embarrassment that goes with a lack of accreditation. Now, I thought about this when I read this word. I don't doubt that it's possible to do ministry without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right. But that may be non-accredited ministry, right? That Jesus was accredited by God by miracles, Mm -hmm. wonders, and signs. So signs, wonders, and miracles are Christ's accreditation standard. It seems to me that if we are going to be like Jesus, we should seek the same type of accreditation that Jesus had so that we don't have to make excuses for why the gifts aren't functioning there. Um, So at Link Church, we believe that all... All the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are spoken of in the New Testament are still available today for believers. Certainly, we don't believe that anybody can write Scripture or anything like that. But we absolutely believe the gifts still function in the context of 
the local church. So in Luke 24, Jesus said to the disciples, as he was getting ready to ascend into heaven, uh, around the 49th verse, he said, wait here, if you're in the King James Version, tarry here in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That word endued literally means clothed. Now, just for fun, before we move on here, mm-hmm. if you're listening, I wonder if any of you ever heard the story of the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> if not, the story goes like this. Yes. The emperor got tired of all his new wardrobes he was getting, and he wanted some brand new clothes like nobody in the empire had. So his tailor devised a plan to tell him that he was going to make him some invisible clothes. Well, he convinces the emperor that he needs to strip down naked and walk around in his new clothes and everybody will be amazed. Well, as expected, as he walks around stark naked, believing he's wearing these new invisible clothes, everybody is shocked. They're amazed. They're aghast. And he is pretty impressed by their reactions. Everyone knows he wasn't clothed except him. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. When we are lacking the proper clothing to do what Jesus called us to do, it is very evident to those around us that that is lacking, but we may be unaware of it ourselves. Now, the good news is, is that Jesus is perfectly willing to clothe any of us with the power of heaven, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that are willing to allow him to do so, but we've got to seek We've got a desire. We've got to believe. Now, let's take just a minute and kind of walk through some some biblical passages about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and talk about how that applies uh, to us. Uh, What comes to y'all's mind when we first head down this road? When we first begin to think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, we've talked about how Jesus, one of the last things that he says to the, the disciples uh, is, hey, stay here in Jerusalem uh, until you're endued with power from on high or clothed with, clothed with power, right? And so he's he's saying, hey, this is very, very important. You know, pay attention. These are the last words you're going to get to hear me say. Uh, and then or immediately after that, you know, we turn the page, uh, so to speak, and we end up in the book of Acts. And in the very beginning of the book of Acts, we see... Uh, they do a little bit of housekeeping in the very first chapter. And then we have in the second chapter, one of the chapters that uh, non-Pentecostals say that we get so fixated on is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit there in the book of Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 4, when it's talking about the day of Pentecost. Um, but I want to actually take a look at that housekeeping first of all, because one of the housekeeping that they did and that it's talking about in there is it's saying that they... Uh, elected and chose from among them a new uh, new member of the 12, so right. to speak. And it also begins to name off all of the people who are gathered together that are going to be in this upper room in right. Acts chapter 2. And it names off the 12. Now, this is really important. And it also names off a couple of women, one of which is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. And I always say this when it comes to People who say, well, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who really needs that? Well, I mean, they spent every day of their lives for three years ministering with this man. Yeah. She carried him in her womb. That's good. And raised him for 33 years. If Jesus looked at them and said, hey, 
there's something else that you need right to empower you to be my witnesses to do the things that I have told you you're going to be able to do then doesn't it make sense that maybe we need that too absolutely maybe, maybe there is something that uh, is is additional you know it, it, I'm not saying that the the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary to make heaven sure all right so I Let's clarify that. Yeah, by, no means. Uh, by no means am I saying that if you have never spoken in tongues that you are not going to heaven. I did not say that. I would not say that because I don't believe that. When it comes to, hey, is it important to speak in tongues or is it important to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm one of the people who is banging the drum the loudest. Yes, it's important. Yeah, I mean, you and me, Pastor Robbie, we, you know, I'm, I come from your mentor tree. And, and, you know, this is, you've been banging this drum for years, you've been saying. And so, but at the same time, we need to understand that it is about so much more than just, uh, speaking in a, in a in a prayer language that people don't understand and that is part of it right but but there's more to it there's uh, like you said that accreditation and uh you know and and as you look at, at acts i would say this there are so many people who want to point and say what is wrong with the church today i'm not going to assign blame or say this is what's wrong or that's what's wrong. I'm simply going to ask this. When we don't see the church operating in the same manner as it did in its early days, in its inception in uh, the book of Acts, how is that church different than the church that we have today? Right. Now, you've said this to me multiple times, Pastor Robbie, and then I'll kick it back over to you. Um you and I both believe that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Sure. However, if we were just to push that aside for a second and say one thing for, for certainty, even if it doesn't say in every single instance of somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, it is commonly known in common practice that those who were involved in the early church did speak in tongues regularly, and that was part of them being empowered by the Holy Spirit and them operating and moving in these signs and wonders and these miraculous things. Uh, like I said, I'll pass that back over to you to, to jump off or build on. No, you're very right. I mean, actually, one of the things that's noteworthy is, is there's not actually an exception. There, there's, there's nobody in the New Testament church that it's stated that they didn't. You know, the Apostle Paul, we don't have a record of when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, but he says to the Corinthians, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than more than all of you. Um, so let's look at a couple biblical passages that, that really talk about why the baptism of the Holy Spirit matters when you're going to be deployed into service. One of those is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, these were not just any people. As you've just mentioned, you're talking about Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. You're talking about the disciples that had been with Jesus while he worked miracles, and they themselves had actually already worked miracles and cast out demons. But now Jesus is tethering their reception of the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
to his mandate to be his witnesses. And so one of the beautiful things uh, about being Pentecostal is this, is that while we believe that, yes, you can grow and you can learn and you can mature throughout life and that biblical education has much value and all of that, we also believe that any born-again believer can receive the same baptism in the Holy Spirit as any one of our pastors, any one of our leaders can. You can be clothed with the power of God and enabled to do exactly what God called you to do, even if you're only one day old in Jesus. Uh, Another passage that I really love is actually found over in Acts chapter 8, and it doesn't actually say anything about speaking in tongues, but what it does talk about is how in the midst of this gigantic revival, the disciples came and specifically prayed for the believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at that. It's Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, what's wild, if you read the verses just before that, you'll see that this is these are people that had great joy. They had been healed of diseases. They had turned to Jesus. They had been baptized in water. And yet the apostles felt that it was necessary to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you're listening and, and you're saying, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I know what God has done in my life. I don't have any doubt about that. But I've never really received what you're talking about. This podcast is for you. And we want you to know that through the same type of faith you exercise to get saved, using that faith, you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can receive everything that is needed for you to witness to others, for you to share Christ with your friends and family, for you to 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 serve in the local church or in the community or to fulfill any of the the callings God has placed on your life that comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The early church was so diligent about this, it was actually one of the first things they asked. You know, when when you look at Acts 19, Paul comes to Ephesus. Now, this phenomenal preacher by the name of Apollos had just left Ephesus, and Paul meets 12 disciples, Presumably, they had been converted under the ministry of Apollos and baptized after John the Baptist's baptism. You know the first thing Paul asks them when he sees them? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And as soon as he heard that they had not, he began to explain the gospel again, baptize them in water in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then he lays his hands on them and believes for them to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Apostle Paul, he would not do anything else until he knew that those who professed to be believers had received what heaven had made available to them, right? So we want to be diligent about receiving what heaven has made available to us. Now, before we wrap up our podcast, y'all help me remember, we're going to we're going to talk just a little bit about the upcoming weekend of fire that we're going to have right here at Link Church. And yes. even though God can baptize you with the Holy Spirit right where you're at right now, that's a great opportunity to really come and encounter Jesus right. as well. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, we're looking forward to the weekend of fire and, and what God's going to do there. And I'm fully believing that uh, if you're within the sound of our voices and you've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God doesn't do it before then, I believe that that can be your weekend. I believe that can be your night that uh, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, and that you receive that empowerment uh, to pursue and, and, and be deployed in ministry. And so one thing that, that I always like to do when I, I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I've had so many people ask me this, and I know, Brother Robbie, you have as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a full understanding of what exactly what exactly it is. And, and, and I'm not sitting here saying, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say that when I was a kid, I had so many things in my, in my head about it that I needed it to logically make sense. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 14 years old. But for about the next 10 years, I failed to be able to fully understand it and comprehend it myself. Uh, and so I began to research and I began to look into and I found resources that helped me, such as, as your book, Rob, and, uh, and some mentors who helped me kind of understand it. And, and we've already talked about several of these scriptural references, but there are multiple places in the book of Acts that specifically talk about where somebody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to look at those, and I began to ask myself what all they had in common. And I began to understand that if I'm supposed to operate and look like a Christian, a like Christ, then that's a good place to look to because they are operating the way that Christ intended them to. He empowered them to. And so I began to research and understand. And one of the things that I think we get in our heads about, Pastor Robbie, is we begin to compare ourselves to other people. Well, I mean, the last time I looked, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't say, hey, it's going to come with the ability to speak in, in uh, French or, or anything like that. It, it's, it's your own personal prayer language. Therefore, it may not sound like everybody else's. As a matter of fact, it's not going to sound like anybody else's. And uh, we get confused about different gifts of the Spirit and this whole speaking in tongues thing, we just wrap in our heads about it that it's, that it's weird. Right. And we get different things confused uh, without us getting too deeply theological and getting into the, the $5 words when the $2 words will do. Pastor Robbie, can we talk a little bit about a difference between like xenolalia and glossolalia and, and some things like that? And I know that's not really what we were going to sure. do with this, but, but since we're kind of in that ballpark, I figured I kind of feel like let's just, let's just, trying to help some people understand a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So basically the two words you just threw out, which are definitely $5 words, it is, um, <laughs> I was right. aware that I was, I was right. given some big words, but I was like, we'll break them down. So the $2 words will do. Xenolalia and glossolalia are two theological terms that are, that are sometimes used to refer to speaking other tongues. Glossolalia uh, refers to unknown tongues whereas xenolalia would re refer to human languages, right? And there's evidence in the scripture of both. So 
you know, in Acts chapter two, right? You read on the day of Pentecost that the people standing there who heard the one hundred twenty speaking in tongues, they said, "We hear in our own languages mm-hmm. them speaking the the marvelous works of God." That would be an expression of of what some theologians call xenolalia. Um, I was preaching one time, and a, a young foreign exchange student from Mongolia heard speaking in tongues from two different people. I was hoping you would tell this uh, story. Yeah, she, she heard speaking in tongues from two different people in, in her own language. Now, just kind of the, the quick overview of that story. She was 15 years old. She was a foreign exchange student living in Monticello, Arkansas at the time. She was from a Buddhist background, and she had only been in a Christian church one time before, and it was a Baptist church. Uh, she came to a revival that I was preaching uh, that night, and let's just say the the service was a bit different than what she had seen in her Baptist church the previous week. Um, well, anyway, while I'm preaching, I started speaking in tongues into the microphone, which is not a common habit of mine, but I did it that night. I looked back and saw her shaking and crying, and to be honest, my deep spiritual thought was, good job, preacher, you scared the kid. And so I, I quit speaking in tongues and went back to preaching in, in English. Well, just a little bit later, a woman stood up and gives a message in tongues while I'm preaching, which, by the way, is not how we really encourage this to happen. There's a there's generally a certain protocol, and that's not when it happens. God's not the author of confusion. So typically, a message in tongues during a sermon would be considered out of the pla- out of place. Nonetheless, God uses things in his own ways at times. Well, so I look back, when this woman gives this message in tongues, this girl is just beside herself, shaking, curled up to her American mom, and I'm like, wow, I bet she's never come back to a Pentecostal church. So I go on, finish the message, make an altar call. Um, We pray for some folks. When service is over, her American mom walks up to me, and she says, Brother Robbie, when you start speaking in tongues into the microphone, she looked at me and said, how many languages does that man speak? And I said, well, what'd you tell her? She said, I told her I didn't know. And uh, that was a bitter lie. She knew good and well that I speak that I speak English only and not that well sometimes, you know. Um, and then she said, and then when this other lady started speaking in tongues, she, looked, she leaned over and she said, how many people here speak Mongolian? And I'm like, wow. It's, it's only at that moment that it occurred to me what had happened, right? So I finished having this conversation. I walk back to the door. I'm greeting people. And this young lady walks up to me, looks me square in the eyes, and she says, sir, how many languages do you speak? And I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this to a 15-year-old Buddhist kid? So this is what I said. I said, well, I only speak English. But sometimes God makes me able to speak languages I haven't learned yet. And she seemed completely satisfied by that answer and said, thank you. Just before I left, she comes back up and she said, I wanted to let you know when you were preaching, you stopped speaking English and you started speaking in perfect Mongolian and you said God is still living. And she said, then this other person stood up and they started speaking Mongolian and they also said God is still living. Based on that encounter the very next week, in her Baptist church, she'd had all the Pentecost she could handle at the time, in her Baptist church, she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. And the thing that she told multiple people, her testimony was, I went to church and all these white people were speaking Mongolian, (laughs) saying that God was still living. And so since God was still living, I wanted to know about him. That's an expression of xenolalia. Wow. That's incredible. Another story that... uh, you were you were there when I heard this story. We when we were in Mulberry, we had a uh, a ministerial alliance 
kind of uh, yeah. regularly meeting with some local uh, pastors and, and, and things. And a missionary friend of ours began to tell a story of um, when he was in America, Samoa, and uh, this lady who uh, stood up and began to, to speak in tongues, and she began to speak in uh, this perfect English, this yeah. beautiful, eloquent English. And, and uh, the missionary went to the, the head of the church there and said, uh, I thought she said that nobody here spoke English other than, than you. And he said, no one does. And then come to find out this lady was speaking in tongues and her tongues was, was in English. And, wow. and she had never been off the island and, and uh, never had the opportunity to learn that. And yet, yet he, our missionary friend had the opportunity to hear her speak some of the most beautiful words that you could ever hear somebody say. And, That's and, and, you know, these just incredible stories of, of the Holy Spirit just empowering people to do ministry. I mean, think about that. How many opportunities... Well, from what you told me, you had the one, the yeah. one opportunity the one. to speak into that girl's life. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have a gift yep. like the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us to ministry, yeah. this young woman potentially could have gone to her grave, wow. never knowing that there was a God who was still alive right. and wanted to know her. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, you know, from a personal perspective, when God fell on me, I didn't say, hey, I'm going to speak Mongolian now, right? No, no, I, no. I actually had no consciousness that anything was different than usual. It was just God working. So you never know when you open yourself to the gifts what God will do. The other side of, of tongues is glossolalia, which is unknown tongues. And that's really fleshed out in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 when Paul says, if I speak with an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding's unfruitful. And then he goes on, he actually says that when someone speaks in an unknown tongue, no one understands him, right? So that's different from the stories we just told where potentially some do understand. But what's the purpose of glossolalia of unknown tongues? It's to enable you to pray between you and God in a really intensive fashion. Romans 8 said that, uh, God searches the hearts and the minds and makes intercession through us right. with groanings that cannot be uttered. Right. Now, right. those groanings may be slightly different from other tongues, but it's the same It's the same concept there. The Spirit of God enables us to pray on a level that is beyond our, our rational conscious level. Right. And if you don't necessarily understand it that way, I think I had a mentor say it this way, uh, that... I think it explains it beautifully. You ever had those moments where you're so deeply sorrowful and upset and worried about something or uh, sad about something where you go to cry and you have those moments where you just cry but nothing comes out and then after a few moments you have that big gasp for air and just kind of a groan comes out. You used to make fun of me for doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been (laughs) re-educated by a few things. You know, that is actually, in my opinion, uh, a perfect example of what this this is. is That's the Holy Spirit speaking through us in ways that, like, we don't even fully understand that our soul can cry out in ways that our voice cannot. Right. and, you know, obviously the baptism of the Holy Spirit has other uh, gifts and functions not beyond speaking in tongues. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, 
you talked about in your story, there was interpretation yeah. uh, as well, you know, that, that other messages went out in tongues. Uh, we've also, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment, put on the spot, thinking of, of different, different examples of gifts. Pastor Robin, so you may have to bail me out. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, think of it like this. So when, when I was a teenager, people used to warn us about drinking. They're like, hey, if you get drunk, that may be a gateway to using other types of, uh, of drugs and things like this. The Holy like Spirit this. is a gateway. The Holy drug. Spirit is a gateway. <laughs> yeah. So in Acts 2, when they're all baptized with the Holy Spirit, the people out there are saying what? They're saying they're drunk. And Peter says these are not drunk as you suppose, right? He didn't say they're not drunk. <laughs> right, but not as you suppose. He understood that what had just happened was a gateway to so much more, right? right? So when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you receive access to the gift to lay hands on the sick and they get well. You receive the ability to discern things, that is to understand things that your rational mind didn't know. You get access to the word of knowledge. That is sometimes you you have knowledge you didn't possess. You get, you get access to the word of wisdom that suddenly you just know what to do in a circumstance that there's no rational way you could have navigated it. You get access to the gift of faith, which is different from just all believers operate in faith, but the gift of faith comes upon you where suddenly you just have no doubt. You can believe yeah. for anything in this specific moment. And usually it's in the face of some type of real danger, but mm -hmm. you're able to overcome that through the Holy Spirit. The gift of miracles operates through the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So that natural laws and forces are, are temporarily suspended in order for something supernatural to take place. Place. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, anything becomes possible. We receive a greater propensity to cast out demons and to understand the nature of what's happening in people spiritually. So here's the thing is that maybe what you find yourself needing in a specific moment is you're like, you know what, in the, the area of service that I'm serving in, I'm not sure how much I need to speak in other tongues. Well, two sides to that. One is there's value in praying on a deeper level always, right. but there's also in Romans 12, there's a gift of leadership or of administration. Right. Right. There's a, a gift to, uh, to teach. There's there's gifts of prophecy to, to speak into people's lives. All these gifts operate through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And frankly, we need his activity mm -hmm. in our lives personally and in our church corporately for so many reasons. But one of those is just because Jesus commanded it. He said to do it like mm -hmm. this. You know what else he said? He said, I will build my church. So if he's yeah. building the church, I should probably just let him build it the way he wants right. to. Absolutely. Man, that's powerful. You mentioned miracles in there. Yeah. Uh, and it reminded me, Lydia, when you went to uh, Africa on a missions trip a while mm -hmm. back, you got to see firsthand and experience some pretty miraculous stuff. But I wonder, would you tell the story about the lady that you guys prayed for, you and Ronnie, uh, the the blind lady, and, and, and that story, if you would tell that real quick mm -hmm. for the podcast. So there was, <clears throat> in one of the um, services that we held, um, when we went to Swaziland, Africa, um, we, the lady was blonde, um, I'm not sure if she was blonde from birth or just has had went blonde. Um, I never got to totally fully know her story. 
Um, but as we were praying, I, honestly, the service was kind of coming to an end um, from what I remember. And we started praying with this lady and um, we kind of prayed twice. But after the first prayer, she pointed out one of the ladies that was with me, her earrings. And um, so like all of us kind of took a step back because a few of us were, you know, very young, very in the, especially in like seeing miracles and stuff like that. It was the first time. And so we're like, we've heard of miracles. We've seen them from a distance, but not like while we were praying for somebody. So I personally took a step back and was like, did she just say her earrings were gold? And, um, and then we asked her, had the interpreter ask, is that what you said? And she talked about how Pastor Ronnie's jacket was red. And so we're like, can you see it clearly? Or the story that popped in my head during that moment was, you know, the blind man that saw men walking as trees. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, is she just seeing colors or is it totally clear? Mm-hmm. And she had her describe the earrings and she described them perfectly like wow. she had literally been to a jewelry store awesome. it was that vivid of a description and so god completely here healed her and restored her sight so it was awesome yeah man that's beautiful you know it's just amazing to me what that god grants us a gift that allows us to participate in these incredible moments you know to see somebody who was bound up in in addiction and and things like that to see them set free to pray with somebody who needs healing and see blinded eyes open or or have an opportunity to uh, just give a word and and it impacts somebody's life other who otherwise you wouldn't have had a, a chance yeah. ever to impact and that's the that's the importance and the power of the Holy Spirit right. moving and operating through us and with us so true yeah that's that's really good I want to read uh, just a couple experiences of people who share their experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what what you'll see within these, and these are in our, our book, Link Church in 4D, by the way. Um, but you'll see some of what's going on beyond the aspect of tongues. So one of those is from the early 1900s. The other is a, a man that I know. His name's Brandon Arnold, um, who was baptized in the Holy Spirit at such some of our church camps. Uh, but first of all, let's read this testimony from, of John G. Lake. This is on a, page 106 of the book, if you have it. Lake writes, That night as I knelt in Fred Bosworth's home, that consciousness of the cleansing power of Jesus Christ went through my being. And I realized something of what I had never realized before, that the battle between my spirit and my soul had ceased, and that God reigned not only in my spirit, but in my flesh too. The war that had been in my spirit for years was all gone, and I entered into Beulah land. The external evidences of God and the power of His Spirit, no matter how wonderful, are a small matter compared with the consciousness of the Word of God in the human heart. Now, Lake does write about speaking in tongues and some of the gifts. He was mightily using the gift of healing. Uh, but I think it's pretty cool just to see his inside of what was happening internally in him. The other uh, story came from a, a series of interviews that I did for another book that we wrote called The River Valley Awakening some time ago. And this was shared by Brandon Arnold about his experience of, of spirit baptism at Camp Battle Cry. 
so I want to read this to you. Brandon, Brandon says, chills ran down my spine and body, trembling, like every money, muscle wanted to move at the same time. Before I knew it, I was shouting loudly in tongues, and the small group around Jordan had exploded with the power of the Holy Ghost. I had absolute overwhelming power flowing in my entire body. I would describe it close to electric energy. It became very concentrated in my forearms and hands. I can only describe the feeling as if you ever put your finger in an electric socket and it jolts your arm, or when you fall asleep on your arm and when it starts to wake up, you get a crazy vibration, but this was without any pain. I began to move around a lot, jumping and dancing. I wanted to move everywhere and could not maintain what I felt. I had an extremely strong urge to lay hands on everyone and pray with them. I wanted them to be lifted up and invigorated. I felt like I had to put my hands on people and transfer that energy. It was complete bliss. Although I was completely in my right mind, I had let go of all worldly concern or thought. Now, I want to point out something Brandon says. He says, I was completely in my right mind. What the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not is it is not a disabling of your rational, logical, cognitive right. functions. Right. In fact, if anything, it is an elevating of right. those functions where the Holy Spirit comes upon us and enables us to think and function on a level beyond what we ever can on our own. Now, before we conclude our time together in a moment, I want to I want to share a little bit about this upcoming weekend of fire. And we also want to kind of give you some some direction for how maybe you could pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Absolutely. Spirit between now and then. Before before we go that way, uh, what do y'all got? Uh, I know Lydia was telling me that she had something that she wanted to uh, build on or, or talk about that you brought up, actually. So I thought that sparked um, when you said there's moments where um, you're ministering and you kind of hesitate to be open with your praying in tongues. Um, I was in college ministry, um, a couple of years back. And, um, there was a student that came to one of the services and her anxiety level was higher than I've personally ever seen in a person. Um, especially with crowds and just social anxiety was super high. And so she came to the service with her boyfriend and we were barely into the first song of worship and she looked at her boyfriend and said, I have to get out of here now. It's just, there were too many people. Honestly, it wasn't that large of a setting. Um, but to her anxiety, it was thousands of people. And so she walked outside and her boyfriend leaned over and goes, hey, can you go talk to her? Because she's just freaked out. So I walked outside and I was praying under my breath as I walked outside because... Honestly, I didn't know what to say. Um, I had dealt with my personal anxiety and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, but I never actually had ministered to someone alone right. with anxiety. And I'm like, I don't know what to say, God. You're going to have to help me kind of prayer. And when I walked out there, all that came to mind was she needs peace. Yeah. And so I gave her a hug and was like, hey, are you okay? And we just talked. And in that moment, honestly, I didn't pray for her. I didn't lay hands on her. I didn't. All I was was a peaceful presence. 
And I think sometimes the fruit of the Spirit gets plugged in mm-hmm. to the gifts of the Spirit. Absolutely. And so in Galatians 5, um, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And sometimes I think that if we let the fruit of the Spirit actually be fulfilled through us, the gifts kind of flow a little bit easier. Amen. And so sometimes you might go, I have no words to say. But the Spirit will actually give you the words in English or whatever language you need to speak in in that moment um, to minister the way that somebody actually needs. And it doesn't have to be a Holy Ghost meltdown moment, but it can just be a peaceful. And to this day, she's in ministry with her husband. That's beautiful. Well, fiance. They're not married yet. But yeah. So she's that anxiety has broken. She's in leadership. And it's great. Praise God. Yeah. Well, as, as you were saying, Pastor Robbie, we, we do want to remind everybody about the weekend of fire and talk about some opportunities there. So I'm going to pass that back over to you, Pastor Rob. Sure. So coming up this month um, on August 25th, 26th, and 27th, we're having a, a weekend of fire. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about how those services will be themed. So on Friday night, um, of, of that week, we're going to start that off with a freedom night. That's going to be a time when we come together to believe for strongholds to be broken, addictions to, to be taken out of people's lives, people to be set free, demonic powers to be cast down, and the freedom of God to just prevail in that room. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so that night, we're going to put a real heavy focus on bringing the freedom of the Holy Spirit into people's lives. Saturday night is what we're calling a night of fire. And that night we're going to put a special emphasis on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and we're going to be coming together specifically with the desire to see people baptized with the Holy Spirit, to see those that are Spirit-filled having the gifts stirred in their lives and, and a greater desire to step in and be used of God. And then that, that Sunday morning, the 27th, uh, we're going to be having... Uh, I want to say church as usual, but church as usual around here is full of fire and freedom always, right? right. So in a very positive way, I say we're going to have church as usual on uh, on August the 27th. And then that night is going to be a family night. It's going to be a time to bring your family and just to have a, a time of celebration, a time of fun together uh, for us to all hang out. So it's going to be a, a weekend of, of, of freedom, fire, and family. Between now and then, how can you prepare yourself? Well, you can prepare yourself for those services by perhaps spending some increased time in prayer, beginning to talk to God about exactly what you would like Him to do to do in your life. Maybe you'd set aside some time to fast, one, two, or three meals a day between now and then, asking God to, to really cleanse you of any any distractions that are that, that would prevent you from receiving what he has for you and, and helping you to focus in on him. If you haven't read the book of Acts, I encourage you to start with Acts chapter 1 and go all the way through the 28th chapter. It'll give you a good mm-hmm. vision of how the early church functioned. Um, and, and then just begin to talk to God, asking him to prepare you personally. While you're doing that, you never know what God will do in you between now and then, actually. So it, it's... Uh, 
I encourage you, if you are born again, if you're a follower of Jesus, to just lift up your voice in prayer and say, God, would you baptize me with the Holy Spirit? Would you prepare me to, to, to function for you, to serve you in a greater capacity Fill me with your power, with your grace, with your glory, and maybe get some other people to pray for you mm-hmm. and ask God to do that in you. Uh, if you come to our local church, then on Sunday morning during praise and worship, there's always an opportunity to come up for prayer before the preaching. Mm-hmm. Come up and ask people to lay hands on you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit then. Maybe you go to another local church. Ask your pastor, ask some people in your church to pray with you and, and ask God to to fill you with with the Spirit right then. And actually, before we get out of here today, get out of here, uh, before we we end our podcast today, I want to ask uh, Rob if, if, if you would just to pray for the Spirit of God to fall on people right where they're at. Um, yes. even. Uh, we're coming up pretty close to our time, but, but what do we want to share before we wrap up right here? The only thing that I feel like I want to share when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that sometimes people, they're not open to it simply because it's not what they're used to or because they view it as different or uh, to paraphrase a preacher who said at one time, it's weird stuff. Yeah, You know, it's not weird stuff. It's Bible stuff. But the truth of it is, is I want to bring out another piece of scripture to say, taste and see that the yes. Lord is good. Uh, there's a common expression amongst kids today, you know, don't yuck my yum. Uh, taste and see that it's good before you go around telling people that it's just not for you because it's for everybody. It's for whosoever. And maybe you've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never known that you needed one. You were like the disciples that Paul came up to. Yeah. Nobody told us that there was a, a different baptism, you know. Um well, we're here to tell you today that there's more. Um, and ultimately, I ask you this question. If there's more of Jesus, if there's more of God, if there's more of his presence and more of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you want that? Absolutely. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want more if you knew there was more? Mm. Well, we're here to tell you there's more and that, that you can have that. And so I'm going to say a prayer for you right where you are, and I believe that right where you are, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However, I also believe that if you want to, you can certainly join us for our Weekend of Fire, Faith, Family, or our Freedom, Faith, and our Freedom, Fire. That's the word I'm trying to get out. Faith, Faith, and Fire. Too many Fs. Freedom, Fire, and Family. Hey, that's what Sunday morning can be. It can be the faith one. There you go. Yes, it's not yes. a, it's not service as normal. It's the faith service. Uh, so freedom, fire, and family weekend. Uh, if, I encourage you to join us. I encourage you to be a part of that weekend and uh, experience uh, the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit for yourself. So let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I know that you have provided your son to die on the cross for our sins and that he rose again, showing that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And I thank you that for those reasons and for your grace, we can be saved. And I thank you that that alone is necessary to set us free from the bondages of hell. But I also thank you that there's more. I thank you that there's the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us for your service. 
And I pray that right now, that people within the sound of my voice, that those who've been desperately seeking the Holy Spirit, or those who heard about it for the first time on this podcast and they they know that they want more of you, that right now as they begin to cry out to you, as they begin to call out to you and tell you how much they love you, Lord, that you would empty them of the things that separate you from them and instead you would fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit yes, as evidenced by speaking of tongues and that right now, God, they would begin to just speak that heavenly language and they would begin to move forward into what you have called them to with power and authority. I thank you, Lord, because I know that you are moving right now. And I thank you, Lord, because I know that you're going to continue to move in our churches, in our weekend of fire. And as far as your presence reaches, God, you're going to continue to move. I thank you for that. And I give you praise, God, and we rejoice with our brothers and sisters who are receiving your gift of the Holy Spirit as we speak, God. Thank you, Lord. Be back with us again, God, as we come together one more time in the future to do this podcast again. And may you use us to further your kingdom and your glory. Yes, Lord. And in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap this episode up. And until then, I pray, God, may he bless you. May he keep you. May he give you peace. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you.